Here we go. All right. Salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Faith Without Filters. We'll talk about real issues. Imam Urshid here with my co-host, uh, Ustada Fatima Let. How are you doing, Ustada? Good. Alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Excited to be back for another episode. I think this is episode number... Three? Three, maybe. Yeah. Three or four. We're, we're going to go with three. Yeah, whatever the title will say on the... Uh, yeah, three. Three is it. Sister Lubna gave us a thumbs up. Alhamdulillah. All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of things. We'll probably just be bouncing around here. Um, but Ustad and I were talking about what we should talk about. And a couple of things that came up were uh, boundaries and balance. That's kind of the themes that, that, uh, that came up. Uh, so maybe we should start with, uh, with boundaries first, because you've been dealing with some things with people and I've been dealing with some things with people. And it just seems like so many issues are kind of happening, especially even right now, in, I guess, in the environment that we're in with all these weirded out expectations people have of their situations. And, you know, but anyways, we're, we're in these relationships, either as spouses or parents or, or children. You got your friends uh, kind of in the mix here. But, you know, people need to talk about setting healthy boundaries uh, for everyone's benefit and uh, what do you think, Ustada? What do you think about boundaries in general? Um, I find it to be a very interesting topic and a very interesting thing that we come across in the community, mainly because when boundaries are not, healthy boundaries are not set, it's not good for either party, okay? And that's because the person whose boundaries are being crossed, and they don't really know how to set those boundaries, but they're being crossed, that person develops resentment for the other person who's crossing boundaries, right? Mm, yeah. So you are now moved into a completely unhealthy relationship, right? No. So this is something that you know it that would have been like a nice family dinner has now showed up until I'm just showing up just so that I can say I showed up because this person won't stop calling me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when when we come across these things in the community, you realize that they they exacerbate to a point of you know, where Silatul Rahim, keeping relations with your family, um, actually ends up being severed. Ties are being severed because of this unhealthy uh, expectations that sometimes we even have of each other, right? So you have cases sometimes where, you know, as a child or like as a teenager or whatever the case may be, like your parents have very big expectations of you and perhaps they expect you to like eat dinner with them eat all your meals with them that's fine because you live in the house with them and if you're home then you should eat dinner and eat with your family but then you have now this teenager has grown into a young professional they have a job they have like things that they have to do maybe things that they even have to do to maintain their job that's outside of work hours and so on and so forth and so now you have this thing where their parents are expecting them to still be at that teenage stage of not having any responsibility except for mm. eating with the family. So now they're upset. Like you never come over, you never eat with us. You're not here. You're not doing this. And that brings stress. And now it's like, my parents are overbearing. They don't let me do anything. Like I'm grown now. So there's all of these things where it's like, okay, how do we set healthy boundaries and get our, our communities and our families in a position and understanding of like, listen, like everybody has a life, but at the same time, like we're not kicking you out of our lives. We're just saying that this is the reality of our life. Well, that sounded pretty stressful just kind of hearing, uh, <laughs> hearing the, the, the scenario itself. 
but so there, there seems to be this, this lack of understanding that maybe as, as our, so from the point of view of parents, I guess, right. As our kids are growing up and getting older, uh, maybe our expectations need to mature a little bit as well. Um, you know, they're not, they're not the same age as they were anymore. And this is, this is, this is a common complaint that young people will have, you know, in their twenties and even up to their thirties, if not beyond that, that they're still being treated like, uh, like children. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, when they were in their, in their, in their teenage years or, or whatever, when they were still in college. And, and so that kind of seems to be creating tensions between parents and kids. And then now, you know, people will run and, and ask, run for help and ask, you know, how can I get my mom or dad off my back? Right. Because I have all this other stuff going on and not because they want to, uh, they don't want to be around them anymore necessarily. That should not be the case, but it, it can feel like I need an escape because it's just, it's, it's too much. And, you know, those expectations haven't necessarily grown. Uh, that's where it can be problematic. And from the point of view, I guess, of, of parents, there's probably, you know, as a parent and, you know, you think about, you know, your, your, your children growing up and be, being more independent and leaving the house and not needing you as much anymore. Yeah. I guess, you know, that, that does, that does seem like a pretty scary feeling. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do when my kids get that age, but I wouldn't be surprised if I found myself in the same position. Uh, you know, we, we all want the best for our kids. We all want to react in the best ways, but I think we, we need to recognize what we're capable of doing when we don't really know what to do. Um, mm. and we're kind of just kind of clutching at straws. If I, if I feel like I'm losing my child, if that's the perception I have on it, then I may, you know, do too much to try to keep them at that younger age level when now they just want to kind of break free. And I, I don't know, it just seems like there needs to be a change in perception from the point of view of the parent to the child, I guess, in this scenario, to try to understand the situation in a different light. I don't know if that makes sense. I also think there needs to be a change in perception, not change, but a tweaking in perception on the point of view of the child to the parent. Like it's important for the child to also recognize this is my parent, this is my mom, this is my dad, and they too are having these feelings of like attachment because I am getting older, because I am becoming, you know, I went from depending on them all the time to like not depending on them at all. That doesn't mean that you don't call your parents. It doesn't mean that you don't schedule a time to go visit them. Like you do have to make your family a priority and making your, and letting them know, like sometimes I feel like as young professionals or people who have like left the nest, you would say, what happens is that they forget to communicate with their family. They forget to communicate with their parents. And so when you don't communicate, you know, it leaves so much out there. There leaves so much to interpret. This empty air is just like, it can feel like heavy, you know, it can feel nice. And so for parents, obviously it feels heavy because they are used to seeing their child all the time, used to seeing them in the house, you know, and like, um, now they don't see you at all. So yes, you have responsibilities. Yes, you have things that you have to do to like move on with your life and so on and so forth. But recognize that it's so important for you to communicate with your parents. No mom, no dad, I can't come today, but I can make a commitment to call you. I can make a commitment to have dinner with you once a week. If you live in a different state, I can make a commitment to visit you very often. Like these are, this is where I can make a commitment to make sure that, you know, I'm putting in the work that's necessary for this relationship. And that's, I think that's a big part of creating healthy boundaries because when you communicate very clearly, like this is what I can do, it's, it's there. Yeah. That's there. It's not like, not in a negative way, but that line has been drawn. This is, this is the picture. This is how my day goes. This is why, you know, I can't come all the time, but I'm not saying I will never come. I can't come now. 
I can come at this time. I can do this. I can do that. Yeah, so true. And then, you know, it's also interesting that, you know, parents, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we invest, we were talking about this before, we invest so much into our children. Uh, sometimes we neglect our own relationships as the husband and wife, right? As the parents. And, you know, it almost feels like when you're living for the kids, uh, once those kids get older and move on, that's, that's kind of why we clutch at them because they're the reason uh, we've, been, we've been doing so much in, in the house and being so active and caring all this kind of stuff. You know, it's a really, really important thing to even invest in our own uh, relationships as husband and wife to make sure that, you know, to look forward to the day, you know, and I'm actually looking really forward to that day where, you know, the kids are up and they're out, boom. And you're like, Hey, now it's just, you know, it's just us. We get to kind of do whatever we want to do. Right. And I tell my kids this actually, you know, the, the two things I, I want my kids to enjoy. And I, and I use this as, as like just positive reinforcement, you know, whenever they're not, you know, focused on their studies or whatever, I tell them, it's like, look, you don't want to be an adult and having me still dictate things in your life, right? You want to be a confident, independent adult. You want to know how to run your own life. You want to know how to, you know, live on your own so that you can enjoy your life and do the things that you want to do. You can't be living under my, um, my discretion, whatever, you know, for the rest of your life. Uh, and, you know, that's, I, I don't think, I think sometimes we might get too shy or too worried about telling our kids this, but if we're not setting them up you know, this is, this is the other part of, you know, uh, ensuring that by the time that they get older, how do we deal with this? If we don't set them up uh, for independence as they're older, then it's, it's going to be a battle because they're going to want to be independent anyways. They're going to be at that age where they want to live on their own. They want to go and do things, uh, you know, the way they want to do them. Uh, and they, they absolutely have to find and, you know, chart their own path in this life because we're not going to be around forever. And if they're too dependent on us, we're not, we're not investing in their success. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting them ready that way and then also investing in our own relationships so that when we have that time, uh, you know, we, ha we have something to look forward to, right, as, uh, as parents. But these are, you're right, these are difficult things to accomplish unless we actually talk about them. And, you know, this is why we're having this, this, this discussion on the podcast is, you know, we're trying to bring these issues up so people can understand this is what happens, right? This goes on. These are the, the struggles that people have in their families and they don't have to, right? If people can understand change is normal, change is inevitable. And if we don't adapt, we're just going to suffer, right? And that's, that's just a natural part of life in so many other scenarios as well. Your kids growing up and your relationship with your kids is one of them. Uh, it's going to change. It's going to have to adapt. You cannot hang on to the same thing for the next like 20, 30 years. <laughs> I agree. And I think that, you know, something that you mentioned that, you know, it's important to set up your relationships between you and your spouse, you know, and, and continue to have things for your relationship because your kids will, they will fly out of the nest. Like you guys are going to become empty nesters and what is, what's going to happen? You're going to look at your spouse and think to yourself, like, I don't even know who you are because over the last 20 years, I've been so, we both have been so invested in the kids that our relationship has evolved in many different, has changed, or we have evolved and changed in many different ways that we weren't even investing in ourselves as a couple. Like we weren't investing in ourselves as husband and wife. And so it's so important like to still invest in your relationship, even when you have like young kids, because your kids are, you're, you're, you should be setting them up to be able to live their own life and to be able to like go out, you know, into the world and they will go out into the world and you don't want to be at home with a stranger now. Like I, 
used to know you, but I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know you unless the kids are here. Um, and in, in addition to that, even investing in yourself, like so many, and I primarily deal with women in the community. So I deal with moms and things of that nature who, you know, they have so many, so many hobbies, so many talents, so many things that they will do. And so sometimes when they have kids, they say like, do I give up everything to raise my children? And though I don't have kids, I deal with a lot of children in the community who have been raised by parents, okay, who have been raised by people. And I'm letting them know that like, it's not only detrimental to you, but it's also detrimental to your child for you to dedicate everything to your child. Like you have to be good. You have to have something for you in order to be the best mom for your child. Because if you don't, then you will, you develop a lot of resentment towards actually your kid. Like when your child becomes older, they leave the home. You feel like I sacrificed everything for you. I don't have anything anymore. You left. And that's why you get, and this is probably going to sound very bad, but this is how you get bitter, like older people who are very bitter. Or this is how you get like in-laws that are not that great because they're so attached to their kids and how much they've invested in their children that, yeah. and they don't have anything for themselves that they're like, how am I supposed to just let you go off and make somebody else's life great? Wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, and again, these, these, these are, these are all perspectives that, that exist. They're real. We just have to, we have to recognize them for what they are and at least try to pinpoint some of the possible reasons we can end up in these situations. And inshallah, you know, the benefit of listening to what we're talking about and is, is to spark maybe a conversation amongst yourselves, you know, uh, so you and your spouse can sit and have this conversation. You and your grown up children can sit and have this conversation. Uh, you know, go to your parents and say, hey, you know, our, I feel like things aren't as healthy as they could be. You know, I, a lot of times kids will give in a lot as well, right? Parents give a lot into the family, uh, but we have to recognize the sacrifices that, that children make. Because when we say children, we're not just talking about young kids, right? People in their 30s, 40s yeah. uh, will be investing a great deal of time uh, into, into, their, into their parents' lives and their, and their siblings' lives as well. And, you know, uh, again, you know, it's not healthy for people to build dependencies as adults on, on other people, because we want our communities to have successful, independent adults so that we, the community benefits as much as possible. But, you know, the reality is, you know, maybe a, a, a person that's grown up and just expanding the conversation on boundaries example, like going to siblings now, right? So you're growing up and you're still looking after your younger sibling, uh, you know, who's, who's not as confident and independent uh, in their own lives, but they're in their thirties and you're, you know, you have your family, you're married, you have your kids to look after, you have your parents that, that are demanding your attention. And then you have your siblings as well. And these are also scenarios that, that come up in our communities uh, where one of the spouses feels like, you know, the, the, the other spouse is not as invested in their own family as mm -hmm. much as they are in their, in their siblings mm -hmm. or, or in their own immediate family, as much as they are in their own personal family, meaning their parents and their, their siblings and things like that. And it's just, it's just another avenue for us to, to sit and consider and talk about what, what do those healthy boundaries actually look like? But I'm going to ask you this question. Is it okay to tell someone at some point in time in your own family that, you know, we, we need a little, we need a little space. And again, what, what that space looks like is, is I'm not, uh, you know, pinpointing, but is it okay sometimes to tell people in our own families that we need a little space? It, it's about how you say it, you know, it's not, mm. you don't walk up and be like, listen, like if I was to pick up the phone today and call my sister, who, if she's listening to this, she's probably not. Okay. It's a completely hypothetical situation. 
If I was to wake up today and call her and be like, listen, I need some time away from you. She's going to be offended. She's going to be like, what yeah. does that mean? Like, you need some time away from me. What? But if I call her and say, like, maybe I'm feeling overwhelmed with life. I'm feeling overwhelmed with responsibilities. I'm feeling overwhelmed with, you know, my, my family commitments, my family responsibilities. And perhaps she's inviting me somewhere maybe for, like, the 15th time this week. And I tell her, like, actually like you know this week or these next two weeks i'm very backed up on work i'm very backed up on these responsibilities that i have but after these two weeks i'm listen i'm going to make a priority to come out and see you yeah that conversation is so much different than like i need you to back up this is you saying like listen (laughs) you know i have things going on like you're admitting like there are things going on i feel like you know i'm suffocating a little bit and i just need to regroup and I'm making you a priority because the biggest thing is that, you know, a lot of times with family, we don't actually make our family's priority and they feel it. So they cling on tighter because they're like, oh, it's like always about this, always about that. Like, but you're very clearly stating that. And I say that too, because sometimes when we think about Silla to Raham keeping family ties, a lot of times we have an, also an unhealthy understanding of what that means. Mm. But some people may think that keeping family ties is like calling every five seconds and showing up every two minutes and like, you know, keeping everybody in the loop about every little thing. Well, there's a reason why Allah Subhanahu says, well, Bil Wali Dini Ihsana, like you are good to your parents and that good is quantified or qualified by your circumstances. And so it could be possible that, you know, that relationship or with your sibling or even whatever, some distant uncle, some distant aunt could be unhealthy. And if that relationship is unhealthy and you need to put space in between that, absolutely. Because you are no good to anyone else if you are not in a healthy position to be able to even be in front of that person, to be able to even be around that person. And so it's about how we communicate. We're so like, we're in an age of like internet and like, you know, 26 characters of like, oh, just say this and be straightforward. Like you don't have to be rude. You don't yeah. have to be rude about it. You, it's about how we communicate things to get the other person to understand what we're saying. And if they don't understand, at least we tried our best in communicating and we're letting them know that, listen, this is, this is what I have for you and this is what I can do. This is, this is my responsibility towards you and this is how I'm trying to you know, fulfill it and being very clear and kind and compassionate in how we communicate that. No, mashallah. It just reminds me of you know different ayat in the Quran. So, uh, something that Allah says. You know, we've always commanded people even before you. And one of those commands that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions is husna, that when you speak to people, you speak to them in good ways. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting how you know it's not necessarily a ritualistic command, right? It's not a command like prayer and fasting and 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 doing all this, but it's clearly about the way you speak to people. Uh, Mm-hmm. The, 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 the verse of da'wah, you know, call to the people with wisdom. So, you know, put some thought into what you're about to say. And, and say it in a way that's going to sound good, that's going to feel good and have a positive outcome as, as well. And so these are principles that we use across the board for so many things. Uh, and sometimes, you're right, I mean, we, we, it, it really does feel like with a lot of the issues that come up in the community, we, we forget these things when it comes to our own families. Mm-hmm. We don't put these things into practice. That same person may be, you know, really smart and, 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 and uh, careful about how they speak to their friends, 
about how they speak to their boss, right? Because it matters, right? You're gonna, it's a matter of keeping your job. And so you, you use those, you know, you, you know what to say to make sure that it comes off in the right possibly, in the best possible way. We write our resumes with wisdom and good words all the time, right? That, I, that's an example to give about uh, hikmah and more than has is your, your resume. You're presenting yourself in a way that you want someone else to be impacted. Uh, and so again, when it comes to our families, a lot of times we just open up our mouths and, and let whatever's on the tip of our tongues just roll out. Uh, and, you know, we need to just take a step back uh, because, uh, you know, families come first. So all these good behaviors that were taught as Muslims, the first and foremost people that deserve that, uh, that good treatment are our own families. And so that communication, the way we talk to people, the smiling, you know, it's just sometimes if you think of your family as, as like strangers that you need to impress, uh, maybe that'll put you in a state of mind where you can try to, to communicate in, 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 a, in a much better way. But reality, right? Reality is, is that it may not always work out. And what do we do if it doesn't work out? What do we do if we've done everything right? We're speaking right, but it's still overbearing and the other person's not getting it and we're just not able to set these boundaries. What now? The thing I love, about, by the way, how I ask you the questions. I know. <laughs> and I'm not quick enough to think of questions to ask you because nah. I'm like in la-la land sometimes. So <laughs> uh, can we cut that part out? I'm just playing. Um, oh man, I, think, I don't think so. The thing about boundaries is that you set boundaries and those boundaries that you are setting, you're setting for yourself in the sense that we can't control how other people react to what we say, okay? We can only control to what we put out. We can't control what other people react or say or do. And so what's important is that you recognizing that you're setting those boundaries for the great, for your benefit, for your health, for your mental health, for you to be able to be the best in that relationship. And so if that person doesn't understand this is about, this is as much as I can do, you just continue to do as much as you can do. You know what I'm saying? So like, say for instance, you have some uh, uncle, usually in Gambian culture, like for us, our, our, our parents' siblings weigh very heavy, okay? So like our aunts and our uncles, they actually serve as like second parents to us or even primary parents in a sense sometimes where you have a huge responsibility to them. And so if, for instance, my uncle decides to visit Dallas because I have cousins here, his children are here, it is expected of me to spend as much time with him as possible because it's as if my father came into town. Now say my job is busy. I have many things to do. I, it's just going there every single day for dinner is not possible. I, it's my responsibility to communicate to him, like, I can't come over every day for dinner, but for the duration of you being here, I can commit to coming over every Saturday. If he's going to get upset and complain to my dad every single day about me not coming every day, that's not my problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm doing the best that I can. The best that I can is to show up every single Saturday. That is the absolute best that I can. And I have to, you have to be honest with yourself. Okay, you have to be honest with yourself. Is that the best you can? Yes, this is the best that I can. You do it and you leave the rest in the hands of Allah SWT. Because that is what Allah SWT yeah. means when he's telling us that we're maintaining family ties. Like we try in the, the best way that we can with the different circumstances that we have to be able to commit to, you know, maintaining our family ties, even though things get hard and life gets busy and all of these things. What about you? I think this is where we probably, oh, you answered it perfect. That was, that was great. (laughs) 
but I mean, so I mean, this is also where we can kind of jump, <laughs> jump from the, the talk about. Oh no, you 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 know you can you gotta ask your original questions, man. You can't you can't repeat my questions. That's not fair. That's not gonna fly. Sure. <laughs> boundaries is style. The boundaries, man. You gotta have your own questions. So. What if we jump now from, you know, talking, we're talking about boundaries and there's, there's a clear crossover here, right? To, to the other uh, point that you brought up earlier when we were talking, and that's about balance, uh, you know? And so you have these boundaries, but you also want to maintain, uh, you know, some sense of a balance, right? And again, we, when we talk about balance, it's, it's in many, many things in life, but let's just make that quick jump from, you know, before we transition into a kind of other things, that, that balance of your own perspective in setting boundaries with your family, right? So we're not, we don't want to tell people that as you get older, you need to distance your families, mm-hmm. right? That's not what, what we're saying. You, need, you have to look at your own situation, your own culture, as you're mentioning as well, right? And, and figure out what is a healthy boundary. Uh, and you do that through communication, right? You talk to people. And if, if anything, if the other person uh, is not willing to acknowledge your, your side or your boundaries, et cetera, at least you learn a lot about them and what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do, right? And so it gives you an idea of maybe how you should strategize uh, and, 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 and set your own you know, personal boundaries, regardless if, if they're not going to accept or not. But again, we're not saying that you grow up and then you just abandon your families and then you go live your own life. And no, there's, there's a clear teaching in the Quran. The Quran is talking to adults primarily when it says, worship Allah, don't associate partners with him. And you have to have great treatment towards your parents mm-hmm. and your relatives, right? It extends that, that out to your, uh, to your uncles and aunts and cousins and all that stuff as well. You have to have good treatment here. So there needs to be that balance that is struck. Uh, and that's extremely important. But again, these are things you, you don't get unless you communicate and really understand your, your situation, your culture, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're mentioning uh, something about uncles and aunts, man. So I know in, in, in certain Pakistani cultures, right? So Pakistan has, uh, you know, pockets of culture as well. And I'm sure Gambia and other countries do. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's something that not in, in, in from the part where I'm from, but from other parts of Pakistan, I've heard that, you know, there's an expectation that anyone from your extended family can show up at any time unannounced. And you have to host them. Uh, it actually happened to a friend of mine who was studying in Islamic University. He just, one day he's like, I can't do anything for a week because, you know, my my cousins and my uncles have just shown up to our house at last night and they, they decided they're going to stay for, for four or five days. And I was just like, wow, that's, I'm so happy. I'm not from that, <laughs> that part of the, that part of uh, Pakistan. I'm not going to mention what part, cause I don't know. It, it could just be a family thing, but when it comes to balance, right. Another, another um, area we talk about balance is, is Dean and Dunya. It's that popular, you know, uh, topic everyone wants to kind of get just right they want to get the mixture just right and that's my qu- next question to you is what is that just right mixture of of balance <laughs> i okay so it's very my take on this is that i think we have a misunderstanding of dean hmm. because a lot of times when people are saying like oh how do we balance dean and dunya what they're translating dean as is like religious religiousness or religiosity or like you know ritual or whatever the case Mm, may be you know what i'm saying so do i spend my day all day making vicar and praying or can i like you know go for a walk in the park it's like no that's not that's not what dean means and so 
I feel like the way that we're able to actually under, get to a better understanding of having balance is one through the overall holistic view of the life of the process on like the process on was a very balanced human being right and so you have the situation where the process on he the three young boys they come and they're looking for the process on and then they meet his wife there and they ask his wife what is the the ritual what is the way the routine of the process on and she tells them what he does and they think that like oh that's not a lot but not in a negative they weren't being disrespectful they were just saying like okay we expected basically a lot more but that's not a lot and it's probably because he's a messenger so Allah like he's a prophet so therefore like he's guaranteed jannah so obviously he doesn't have all these things to do so each one of these people take an oath the first guy says that I will never like, um, I'm going to fast every single day. Like I will never break my fast. Second guy says, well, if that's the case, I will never sleep in the night. I'm going to make sure that I pray every single day. You know, I'm going to pray throughout the night every single day. The third guy says, I'm never going to get married because that's just going to be a, you know, a distraction. I'm never going to get married. The prophet comes back to his home and he meets his wife there and his wife says these three young boys came and they were seekers of knowledge they weren't just random people walking through you know the village they were people who were students they were students of knowledge they were going to go off and be community leaders you know and teach your communities quran and sunnah and all these things and so you have that the prophet comes home he meets his wife there and his wife tells him you know these three young men came and this is what they were saying and the prophet gets upset and it's very, it's not, it's not um, very common that the Prophet would get upset. Like you have a man who comes in the masjid and urinates inside the masjid, the Prophet doesn't get upset with him. A man comes and tells the Prophet he wants to ask the Prophet to give him permission to commit zina. The Prophet does not get upset with him. You know, the Prophet has somebody who comes and asks him a question and he sits in the streets of like in the sidewalk streets of Medina with her for hours talking to her. She does, he does not get upset with her for not recognizing how much time she's taking. You know what I'm saying? So you have, you know, you have people who are doing all kinds of things that, you know, the process of should probably get a little mad about and he's not. <laughs> you have the villagers who are coming and yelling at the process to come out of his home to the point where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals revelation about this whole situation and the process does not get upset with them. But you have this situation of these three young men taking these oaths and the process gets very upset. And he asks his wife, which way did they go? And he finds them. And when he finds them, he asks them, do you guys say this and this and this? And they say, yes. And then he asked them, he said, do you think you're more religious than me? Like I have mm -hmm. more God consciousness than you. I fear Allah more than you. And he's not showing off to them. He's not telling them, look at me, I'm so great. But he's letting them know, like, this is not a right way of thinking. This is not balanced. This is not how you're supposed to go in this world. And the Prophet tells them, like, yeah. listen, I, fa I fast some days, I don't fast others. I pray in some nights, I don't pray in other nights. And I got married, you know, and I am a messenger of God. I have more God consciousness than you. And so for a lot of, a lot of us, we have this idea that balancing being and dunya means that we are in a corner in our own personal God head on, not interacting with the world. When really Dean is really about every inch of your life. Dean is you the way that you live, the way that you eat, the way that you breathe, the way that you sleep, it's about every inch of your life. That's why we have du'as from when we wake up. Yeah. We have du'as from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? This is a part of your deen. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet teaches us how to interact with people because we're supposed to interact with people. 
We're taught how to host guests because we're supposed to have guests. You know, we're taught how to, you know, have fruitful conversations and or lenient or just like straight up joking. We're taught how to joke because it's okay to joke. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy life but you are enjoying life in accordance to the boundaries and the parameters that Islam brings. That is how you balance deen and dunya, that you are enjoying your life and you're doing what you need to do in your life by following the boundaries and the parameters that Allah SWT and his messenger have drawn out for us. No, excellent. I mean, just to add on to what you're saying, we're, we're taught the rules of finance uh, because we're supposed to do business. Uh, and, you know, what you're mentioning is really interesting here. So we, we, we tend to create this, Din dunya dichotomy, right? We kind of like it's it's one or the other, uh, and you know it's we we pit them against each other. Whereas the reality is that Allah created us for this world; uh, He created this world. So this this dunya is Allah's creation, right? And so we what you're experiencing is a unique opportunity to live through something Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created for you. Uh, you know, we're not angels where we get to live in a world that, you know, we don't, we don't have the capacity to disobey Allah. This dunya in and of itself is an amazing, unique opportunity that we humans spe specifically get to experience as creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the deen is in the dunya, right? Or the dunya is, is, is in the deen. Uh, and it's, it, that's how you, that's, that's, you have no escape. You have no, you know, the only time it's not is when you're in a state of disbelief, mm -hmm. because then you're, you're cut off uh, entirely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there, there is a balance, right? And what you're saying, you're absolutely right. That the balance is in understanding that every experience that I have you know, how is it influenced by my spirituality and my religion? Uh, but not every experience of religion is ritualistic. Uh, and, and, you know, there, this, there's so many hadith on, on, on this particular topic. If anyone's interested, if you have a copy of Riyadh al-Salihin, uh, in Riyadh al-Salihin, Imam al-Nawi has uh, one of his chapters in the, in, in the first book, uh, Book of Miscellany. It's called Al-Iqtisadu Fil-Ibadah, uh, the, the chapter of <clears throat> moderation in worship. And the things that you were talking about where the Prophet ﷺ would get upset with people uh, about the way they were understanding uh, religious practice. And so there was uh, one of, uh, I, I, you know, there was a Sahabiyah who had a rope that was tied in between two of the pillars of the masjid. And he asked, what is this rope that, that is tied between these two pillars? And they said, oh, when she gets tired in her salah at night, she's praying. And when she can't, she holds on to the rope to hold herself up. And he immediately said, untie this rope. And the hadith, it's, it's, he says, when you know, any one of you should pray as long as they feel energized and, and able to, to stand up and pray. And when they feel tired, they should rest, right? And so the Prophet ﷺ is giving this, this moderation uh, in, in a specific act right here. But, you know, we tend to think about th things that you mentioned, hosting the guest, right? Uh, having people over and ensuring that they're well-treated, they're fed, that they leave happy. This is part of the teaching of the deen. Right, and this is something Khadija radiAllahu anha said about Rasulullah even before he was a prophet. Yep. Right, you 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 are you are so honorable to your guest, and you know uh, the fact that you know the, the neighbors are treated so well that the Prophet was 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 wondering are they going to get a portion of of inheritance in Islamic law or not, uh, because you know of your interaction with your with your neighbors, and so this is. The, the dunya is the opportunity for you to flex your deen. Basically, that's, that's what it is. Uh, when, you know, go out there and, and do the best business you can do, but 
you know, do it in the way that's in the parameters of what has been set for you, right? Don't lie, don't cheat, uh, don't uh, take advantage of people. Be good to your employees if you're if you're at the top. Be a good worker if you're if you're if you have a, an employer or whatever, uh, and and then earn money for your family. And then you know uh, the, the best. Um, what is it? The Prophet says something about that. The, the best money that you can spend is the money you spend on your family, mm-hmm. right? Uh, every time you put a morsel of food in your spouse's mouth, like it's it's an it's an act of sadaqa. There's so many teachings that you're doing normal everyday things that actually end up becoming, uh, you know, uh, th- that is the deen in and of itself. And so I don't, I I, I just kind of get annoyed sometimes where, where we kind of pit one against the other. We say we ask people to now balance it this way. That, okay, you got to make sure that you're praying enough <laughs> and you're working enough. Uh, and then, you know, but how do you, it's impossible to come up with a balance that's going to equal those two things out. Uh, whereas if you look at the dunya as your opportunity for the deen, then, you know, this is it. This is your, your one shot to really enjoy uh, this, this part of this, this life. Exactly. And I feel like that's why it's so beautiful that Allah subhanahu wa gives us different, through different actions that you, different things that are, a part of the dunya that you're going to have to do, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, again, that opportunity to flex your deen. You know, you're, you're, you have to make money for your family, but flex your deen, give charity, give zakah, you get what I'm saying? Like, these are different opportunities that we have to be able to um, bring that, recognizing that when the Prophet said that you're in this world as a state stranger, as a tra- traveler, as a stranger, like, that you do you not you're understanding that you're here like you're here you're calling your dean has to exist in this world like it's not like okay i'm just gonna walk to the dean side and leave the dunya side over here that doesn't that doesn't work like that okay you're infused in this world you're infused in the dunya and so it's so important for us to recognize that dunya is a reality this is the reality that we're living and part of a reality is that you recognize that there's no way of escaping this and the only way to escape it is through death. And so now that that's the reality, how do we go about in living in this dunya? Well, God gives us parameters and he gives us boundaries and he tells us what we can, you know, what we can and we cannot do. And some things, you know, he doesn't tell us anything about because then it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we are to also recognize that I like to look at, the hadith of Jibril, where the Prophet you know, Jibril comes to him, and the Prophet then, you know, talks to Jibril Jibril asks three questions. He says, you know, what is Iman, what is Islam, and what is Ihsan? You know, our, our Iman is what we believe in. That is what we believe in. Our Islam is how we practice our belief, and then our Ihsan is how. We are to be in this world with ihsan, like you are to do good onto people, you are to do good in everything that you're doing. That is the garnish, that is to make yourself the the best person that you could possibly be. And when does it end? It ends in the hereafter. It ends once you pass away. So that when we go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because bin Salim with a very clean heart. We're going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a very sincere heart. And so you have to exist in the dunya to be able to refine yourself. And that's where deen comes in, because deen is the way that you live your life. It's your everyday life. It is your every waking and sleeping moment. It is your every breathing moment. You speak and you exude your Islam. Absolutely. Subhanallah. You know, and that's, uh, you know, hopefully we can 
kind of, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, I, I've been through phases where, you know, I literally thought that to be a good Muslim meant to isolate yourself from the world. Uh, and, you know, whereas you look at the example of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, right? And you look at the way they were engaged in every part of life. You have Sahaba that were of the most pious of the pious, uh, and they were the rich, you know, they were the extreme, uh, extremely wealthy people in their communities. They were creating jobs. They were fine. You know, they were, they were able to donate and do so much, but they were investing time in building their business and, and doing the work that they were, they were doing. There were Sahaba that engaged in politics, uh, you know, clearly wanting to engage in politics. And because, you know, their intentions, we always assume the best of our, of our companions, uh, you know, to do good for this ummah, to do good for the people. That was their opportunity to, to, uh, to flex their deen. I guess we're going to use that now. Uh, it was their opportunity to do that uh, through what they knew best. They were good at it. They had a way with people. And so they knew they could handle difficult situations, circumstances, and they, they found themselves in some very, very difficult situations in life. Uh, the Sahaba went through some very, very difficult things. They fought against each other at, at some point in time. Those were politics, right? None of that detracts from their deen. Even the fact that they had to engage in some very difficult decisions in their lives, right? That 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 affected people uh, in 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 like you know magnif like just huge ways, but that never detracted from their deen because they were engaging in something through the realm of their of their religion, not through the realm of their personal desires, and and that's also where you attain this kind of the sweet spot of uh, of this balance. Of it's not that you're doing more of this versus more of that. It's the intention you bring behind the things that you do. Uh, and that's the, the interesting things about our faith is anything can become an act of worship if you intend yeah. it to be, right? Anything. Uh, you go out, you're working, you're driving in traffic, and you're intending to drive in a way that's going to be good to the people around you. It becomes an act of worship, right? I mean, there's so many simple things. And it's really just about realigning how you perceive the dunya in which you're living. And then how you're engaging this dunya in, with, in, in which you're living, uh, that, you know, it's subhanAllah, just every, anything can become an act of worship. There's a, there's a beautiful hadith that I've always found it interesting. And it's very, it's not very easy to act on it. Even though I've, I've told myself I'm going to do this uh, before, I find it very difficult to, rem, to remember to follow through. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to do this more often. But the Prophet ﷺ said, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a person that when they're eating with every bite, right? With every, after every bite, they praise Allah. After every sip of water they take, they praise Allah, right? And so you're, as you're eating, subhanAllah, and it's not easy to do for some reason. I don't know why. It's not easy to do. But if you're consciously eating, just, just one time if everybody tries this, right? That one meal you have where you just sit and after every bite, you say alhamdulillah. After every sip that you're taking, you say alhamdulillah. You end up after that meal having earned the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet said that something so simple, eating a meal, can get you by the end of that meal to a place where you have earned the love of Allah, right? In Allah, you hibbu, that a person, Allah loves a, when a person would do something like this. And we all think about, man, you know, how do I earn Allah's love? How do I earn Allah's, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? There are so many opportunities in, the, in, the, in, in our scripture and the Quran and the Sunnah for us to go and explore that maybe, you know, this becomes something when somebody's having a meal, they say, you know what, I can do this. For some reason, I don't think I can remember. I think it's like one child here. You got to make sure they're not dropping food. And then like the other ones, like you're calling them to dinner. So maybe for me, that, that could be a little hard, maybe for some other people as well. But, you know, that's an opportunity to do something that's so simple, right? It's an act. It's a pure dunya we act, right? You're feeding yourself. You're, you're, there's no ritual that's seemingly involved here. 
uh, you don't have to be taught, you know, how, what is the process? You know, it's not like Salah where you have to raise your hands. But no, but it, it becomes an act of worship if you're just sincere and, and conscious and intentional about what you're, uh, what you're doing, subhanAllah. So we are, I think, kind of running long on time. And I, I, I want to, I'll share, uh, I'll share one uh, or two tips real quick, uh, inshallah, for the, the topics that we mentioned, uh, you know, setting boundaries and, and, and maintaining a balance. And inshallah, we'll end with Ustada giving a, a couple of tips uh, from her point as well. Uh, uh, you know, from just the conversation that we had, uh, you know, about setting boundaries, you know, it's, there's, there's a real practical uh, reason for us to consider how we interact with one another as family members, especially as the kids get old, uh, you know, as, as you get old and as you mature and you move on in life. You know, there, the hadith about, you know, you teach your kids salah, uh, you know, uh, to, to pray when they're, uh, when they're seven years old. You discipline them for it when they're 10. And the other hadith, as you know, as, as they get older, you know, you play with them when they're younger, you discipline them in this, in this, this, this middle age. And then past, you know, their age of their maturity, you act more like a friend and a guide rather than a disciplinarian, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the hadith of Prophet Sallam, the teachings of Prophet Sallam are very, very, you know, they come from Allah. Ma yantiqu anil hawa in huwa illa wahyu yuha. Allah says, this is, these are not things he just says out of his mouth. This is wahi. This is revelation that comes to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? So this is from Allah. The way we behave with our, our it's so important not to, to be a disciplinarian when your kids are older. So you set that boundary by teaching your kids that, look, you're responsible for your mistakes or consequences as you get older. And, you know, and as a child, you want to be independent as you start getting older and older, but you have to be responsible as well. So in setting boundaries, let's really, you know, let's really assess. There's so many lectures out there. Really assess what is the expectation of our religion when it comes to how we deal with our own families as we age and grow and everybody gets older. Really, not through culture, but through our our scripture, right? The expectations is because scripture is wahi, it's revelation. Culture is our own design. And that's, that's not going to cut it there. And when it comes to balance, just making sure that, you know, for me, subhanAllah, this dunya is an amazing opportunity, right? Allah could have made us like angels or he could have not made us at all. But he made us and he allows us to experience this part of creation that we're not going to have after, after he decides to get rid of it all. And so this is a unique opportunity to you know, be in this creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way that you're gonna really succeed is if you are living in this uh, with this, your, your commitment to what the, again, our scripture has said, your, your commitment to Allah and his messengers that's in every little thing that you uh, do. So inshallah, hopefully those two things help give some perspective to, uh, to everybody. Ustad, I want you to close us off. I think um, some, so tip, two tips that I have for the two topics. One, the first tip that I have for boundaries is be very, uh, make sure that every single one of your relationships that you have is rooted in your relationship with you and Allah. Allah SWT comes first all the time, all the time. You know, your kids do not, you do not put your kids before Allah. You do not put your spouse before Allah. You do not put your parents before Allah. Allah SWT comes first every single time. And what that does is that that helps you to create parameters. It helps you to create, it actually makes sure that your boundaries that you're creating are not based off of your nafs, but based off of the guidelines that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. So that's the first thing. The second thing about balancing deen and dunya, I would say that similar to what Imam Arshad mentioned, 
that recognize that this dunya is not a, it's not a, a curse, it's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to do as much good as you possibly can and go to Allah SWT with a clean heart. Now, that is something that I feel like we should work on ingraining in our minds and ingraining into the minds of our children so that they are not overwhelmed and burdened by religion. That religion is not, is not, is not oh, I'm fighting, you know, I'm fighting to be religious. It is, I am religious, I'm just maintaining that. I am, I do have a relationship with God, I'm maintaining my relationship with God. It is, I am Muslim and I'm maintaining my Islam. Not I'm fighting to be a Muslim. You know, when we, when we put din, dunya and deen against each other, it almost feels like you're fighting. You know, you're, and th that gets exhausting. Who could fight a hundred rounds? No one, right? So you're, you give them that confidence that this is your, your Islam, you being Muslim, your deen is who you are. And you're just going through this world being very authentic to yourself based off of the rules and the guidelines that Allah SWT has given. And I would say with that, always, 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 always remember that every single thing Allah SWT gives us balance in. That's why he calls us Ummatun Wasta, the, the middle ground Ummah, the Ummah that has balance, the Ummah that takes the middle ground. And so that is, that is my advice. Jazakallah khair, subhanAllah. Inshallah, we hope that uh, this conversation just kind of gives people some things to talk about and some perspectives to reconsider, uh, you know, based on some of the experiences that you've had in your lives, uh, some of the experiences you're going through right now. And uh, as always, guys, you guys can always get in touch with us, uh, imam at roswellmasjid.org, ustada at roswellmasjid.org. If you do have any questions and uh, you guys want to talk about uh, some of the things that you're going through, uh, we're here to help you guys and, uh, and do what we can, inshallah ta'ala. So jazakumullah khair for joining us for this third episode. It was the third episode. Sister Lubna told us, gave us a thumbs up. And uh, we hope to see you guys in the next one where we will talk about... What, Ustada? I'm just kidding. I was just going to ask you a question just to throw you off again. But so we're good. We'll, we'll figure we out the topic. We'll talk about something and it will be something to talk about. So then there's something that will be on the recording. Very balanced, mashallah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum, Ustada. Like